there's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. Law enforcement are writing tickets, so why take the risk? Do the smart thing and start buckling up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Welcome back to Rabid Noise. We're now joined by the legendary Jeff Walker of Carcass. Thanks for joining us on the show tonight, Jeff. You're just about to release the long-awaited Surgical Steel, which is uh, the first Carcass album in 17 years. How was it getting back into the studio and working on this uh, monster of an album? Well, it started off fun, and then it turned into an ordeal. Oh, really? <laughs> Um, it, for the most part, it was fun. We did the drums pretty quick. Uh, the rest of the recording was done over a few months because we, you know, we've been busy with other bands and we have to fit it in with our routine and our schedules. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's weird because you know we always recorded on tape and to come into the digital world, you know, we we've obviously in our other projects recorded on digital. It, it seems like you know. With the new technology, what should be liberating actually takes fucking lot. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's uh, uh, the digital things are a blessing and a curse. I can tell you. What do you think was the hardest part about uh, going digital? Well, not it, none of it was difficult. It's just that uh, you have a never-ending uh, supply of uh, backup where you can record as much as you like. With tape, what you'd have to do is uh, you do your take keep it and that's it there's no going back with digital you're given too many options you know um, oh of course yeah too, too much too much uh, too much storage space you know it's, uh, too much virtual tape if you want to call it i mean uh, so unless you're working with someone who can make decisions instantly you know, it's going to turn into a long-winded process and with colin richardson that's what's happened what kind of happened um you know we were doing a lot of takes and then the, the stuff was getting compiled at a later date. Uh, I mean, to give you an example, at any given time, there were eight, uh, some guitar tracks, and that's a lot of um, a lot of material to sift through to get, you know, the stuff that's needed to make it sound good. Um, same with the vocals, same with everything. Um, oh, cool. And also, you know, th- I mean, this album was done without, without a click track, which is kind of anathema nowadays for the re- digital recording process, because... I mean, to give you an example, Colin Wilson had not worked on an album without a click track for, I don't know, a long time. Mm. And me, even more extreme was the fact that the engineer had never, ever recorded an album without a click track. So, uh, I mean, for us, it's natural. I mean, that's, we've never used a click track. And that's something, you know, which was important because we wanted to make this album sound like, you know, human beings and not a drum machine or a computer. Yeah, you know, we wanted to try and have a few rough edges on it, so, uh, but, uh, yeah. So you said no to the click track. Yeah. That's a... I mean, I think, I think, I think that, that's ruined modern uh, rock. Too mechanical, do you think? Yeah. These days? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a concept for Fear Factory that was great, but uh, Fear Factory's had such an influence on modern rock that it's kind of, uh, it's been a bad influence, you know? I mean, you can say, that's, as a concept, that's great for Fear Factory, but people have adopted... The concept and that way of recording, we did, you know, this is turning into a conversation about Fear Factory. Yeah. The, old, the old Fear Factory stuff was done on tape, and it was, and they, were, they might have tried using digital, using that guy in old samples and stuff. But now uh, it's just turned into a, a process now, into a grid. And, you know, a drummer will go in, play the drums, and then it'll get quantized and uh, sound replaced. And it's, uh, that's something we're definitely trying to avoid this album. Contrary to what people's opinions are on the internet, when they're listening to the bloody stuff on uh, 
a laptop where everything sounds rubbish. Um, mm. You know, we've tried to make this sound like a real recording. Um, you know, we're products of the 80s, uh, 70s and 80s, and uh, that's the kind of stuff we like listening to, you know. We're not, we're not interested in listening to uh, computer-generated stuff, you know. Oh, of course. I mean, I, I do agree. Um, you know, there's a lot of bands these days that are abusing that that technology. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the studio can uh, make anyone sound great now. You know, it's um, it's made me sound great. Oh. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, we we had a few terms in the studio that whenever something was happening we didn't like, we were like, no, we don't want that. All these references were to bands, like you know, we don't want to cut and paste that because. I mean, we. I mean, there's probably one percent digital manipulation where it was necessary, you know. Where in the old days you might have cut the tape, mm. and spliced it together, you know, that kind of thing. But um, it was important, and especially for me with the vocals, as a matter of pride, it was important that everything that I sang was sang in place. And uh, I mean, for example, you've got a situation where some bands nowadays will just record on verse and cut and paste it. Same with the chorus, you know, especially with the vocals. And mm. I, I, I was having none of that. I wanted it to be a, as much as it could be a performance, you know. That's something I've noticed about the album is uh, your vocals sound amazing. I must say, like that's the one thing that really stuck out. Um, and if you went in, in there and did that without Pro Tools cheating, that's that's an amazing achievement, and I oh, like. Don't get me wrong. Don't get, I'm not saying that's one take, start to finish. Um, the vocals, you know, I got to spend some time on it. I mean, in the past, it would have been two days, and that's a lot on hard work. With this, I probably spent, I don't know, in, between eleven to thirteen days. Uh, you know, maybe four hours a day, which is pretty grueling on the voice. And there was probably, you know, four vocal takes at any given time, and from that, that was whittled down to the, you know, the best performances. So don't. I'm not trying to misguide you. Pro Tools can be very useful, but we didn't use it to artificially create something, you know. Yeah, you didn't abuse. Here in yeah. existing reality, you know. Yeah. yeah. The best. Well, that's uh, awesome. Um, with the writing though, with the uh, album, you know, you've been touring for for a few years now. How was it going and and writing this album? Did you do demos beforehand, or did you jam it out on the road, or how did? No, it's it, it was it's all been done in the rehearsal room. Uh, we 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 probably wrote all this stuff over a year, and there was probably at the most I don't know between twenty to twenty five three hour rehearsals where me, Bill, and Dan, the drummer, would get together because we, you know we have conflicting schedules with the other bands we've been playing mm. in. So you know it's it's a case of getting in the room, the riffs with the guitar and the drums and just, you know, trying stuff out. Um, and then we'd record it, maybe put another guitar track on it, I'd bring it home, get on garage band, do some rough vocal guide as a kind of rough demo. If needed, a bit and then paste in, just rearrange stuff, go back in the rehearsal room. But for the most part, you know, it's been done old school. It's not been a situation of one songwriter with a drum machine at home, writes a song and comes in the rehearsal room, tells the rest of the guys, this is how it's going to be, you know, it's... It's been, um, it's not exactly been jammed out because there wasn't enough time for me even to learn the stuff because it's been done so quick. It was all done mm. on the fly, uh, you know, guitar and drums, me lying on the couch being a lazy bastard, just, uh, <laughs> you know, having some input. And uh, yeah, it's been done, to be honest, it's been done like carcasses have worked, you know. We've never ever, except on very rare occasions, um, had a situation where one guy's demoed something. It's always been, 
you know, we've never we've never been technology. In the old day, we would have had a Tascam four track, you know, which was cutting edge technology back then. <laughs> yeah, or maybe yeah. you would use a, a double cassette deck to try and splice uh, a recording together to change it. So, um, yeah, for the most, yeah, it's been a real old, real old school way of doing it. You know, we're we're all farts. It's the only way we know. <laughs> well, I think. It's uh, it's a good way of doing things. It's a good example for bands out there to, uh, you know, maybe go back and learn from bands like yourselves that, you know, yeah, all the, didn't yeah. Have that. It's, actually, it's just come back to me because we're talking with Colin Richardson, some of the bands he's produced. Um, he was saying there's some some art, some artists he's worked with where even the guitarist hasn't even played the stuff. It's there's some software I can't remember what it's called, but you can. Uh, Basically, you can write a song and it emulates the guitar. And you know, I've heard he's, he was telling us about artists that will record a demo using this technology and mm. they're not even picking up the fucking guitar. And then they go in the studio. It's like that's completely alien to us, you know? Yeah. Well, it's it. it I think it takes away that that um you know that true. I don't know if you'd say talent, but you know, it, it's something about I, I guess connecting with the guitar. You know, and well, putting that down, you know. The, at the end of the day, the recording process is is meant to be about capturing the performance. The, you know, yeah, it's about writing songs and all that, but also the performance of it. It's not about the song in itself. Is not the 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 end thing that you're chasing. You're trying to capture the sound of a band playing a song. You know, just uh, some uh, super digitized you know construct. As Carcass has always been quoted by many bands as uh, being an influence and an inspiration, are, are there any bands these days that uh, you maybe return that inspiration for you, that you maybe be inspired by? Nothing's probably come out in the past 17 years. I mean, we're products of our youth and the old school. Mm. The bands we enjoy are still the stuff from uh, our youth. I mean, part of the reason we've done this album, and it sounds very arrogant, uh, is that we Maybe, you know, you can say we're misguided, I don't know, but I think there's a place for this album because there's something missing in what's going on in, uh, you know, extreme music. I mean, we've influenced a lot of bands, but ultimately there's only one carcass. Um, we still think we can give a lot the young ones a run for the money, you know? It's as simple as that. If we were really satisfied with what's going on mm. and we're real fans of uh, the modern scene then we wouldn't have made this album. For me, it's a really weird concept that you've got people saying, I love this band, this band's so great. Fine, where, where do you fit into things then? Mm. It, it sounds it sounds really weird, but negativity is the thing that breeds uh, productivity and creativity. I mean, you can be inspired, of course, but honestly, if you if you think everything's so great in, in the scene or in modern music, then why would you bother picking up the guitar rather than I mean, the explanation is that you're trying to emulate your heroes. Um, I think Carcass is driven bizarrely by a, a cocky, almost negative philosophy that we think what's going on is shit and we can do better. <laughs> well, it's definitely sound like you've uh, come back to uh, show everyone how it's done. I mean, it's I've been listening to the album the last few days, and uh, it's definitely it, it definitely sounds like a Carcass album. It's it's like you've come back and tried to change your style and, and fit in with whatever's going on. It's like you've come back and said, this is Carcass, this is how it is. It's... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's weird. I think, 
I've been sitting in a lot of these interviews, most modern music is kind of uh, derivative of this post-Pantera kick drums, uh, palm music guitar stuff. It's, you know, and it's not it's not Pantera's fault what's happened with their music. You know, um, it, it's uh, modern metal's turned into this kind of it's almost like white R and B. It's all rhythm and not riffs. You know, mm. we're all about the riff. Heavy metal is about the riff. You know, and you know, the, the, end of the reality is Pantera has had an influence on Carcass, but it's not obvious because we haven't just taken like you know one idea from Pantera and milked it to death, which is all like the kids do nowadays. You know, it's kind of like yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's all kind yes. of breakdowns and da 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 da. You know that kind of shit. Carcass has always had those kind of parts, but it's uh, you know it's amongst the, the palette of all the other things that we throw into the mix. You know, yes. you know we're 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 big fans of like classic rock, classic heavy metal, metal, and uh, you know hardcore. Uh, and I think that comes across in our music. You know, I'd, I'd like to think we're not one-dimensional. You know, you can you can accuse the vocals of being one-dimensional, and that's just going to be a sticky point for people who like more catchy traditional kinds of stuff. But um, musically, you know, our palette is based, you know a wide range of uh, rock influences. Who would you say has been your biggest influence? Like, you know, that got you into to music. Into music? Well, because like the first. First single I ever bought was ELO, so what are we asking? I mean, I mean, I still love ELO. As to whether it's got any relevance to Carcass is debatable, you know? And I had a phase of liking, you know, Thin Lizzy and stuff and kicking mm. an old usual band in the 70s, Kiss or whatever. But then I got more into punk and uh, hardcore and that kind of stuff, so um, I got into the harder American stuff, DRI, MDC, uh, and that got me more into, uh, I think what really recaptured my imagination as far as metal goes again would have been Metallica around Ride the Lightning. I mean, bizarrely enough, that album to me did not sound like uh, cutting-edge music, I mean, compared to Kill 'Em All, it just sounded like a metal band, because I heard bands like, you know, Slayer and Destruction, what have you at the time, but, and that was more extreme, but, you know, I wasn't that interested because of the whole Satanist thing, I just found this kind of yawn, you know. So, yeah, I, you know, I, and then I got more into the more underground metal, the demo stuff, you know, Death, Repulsion, Master, Massacre, Macabre. Yeah, I mean, that's the stuff that floated my boat when I was, you know, 17, which is the roots of Carcass. And, you know, I've got me and Bill and Ken, was, we liked a lot of stuff, then we liked a lot of punk bands, Discharge, Exploited, that kind of stuff, so... Kind of a melting pot. Too early. Too early. Just got out of bed. Not enough tea. <laughs> that's all right. And this is the stuff that still uh, keeps us going. It's kind of we're crossing over the inspiration of those bands with more traditional rock like uh, Judas Priest, Thin Lizzy, and even going back further, you know, to like you know Witchbone Ash and what have you. Well, there's definitely a lot of you know you've. It's not just all out blasting. You know, you guys have got catchy riffs as well. That's one thing that carcasses always had is riffs that get stuck in your head you know so would you say that that's where that comes from the classic rock side of things yeah yeah i mean metal is about the riff isn't it and uh that's what's lacking in a lot of uh music that's being made by kids nowadays because they're, they're more preoccupied by the haircuts hair gel and uh tight jeans and you know, they, they see uh, that music scene as a career opportunity. You know, Carcass has never been a band about having a career. We never started playing this music to have a career. It's always been in a ghetto. It's always been outside of music, and that's how we still see it. I mean, all right, extreme music's got bigger, but we've never been diluted. We never formed a band trying to be as big as ACDC or Metallica. We had ambition, but our ambition has been pretty humble, you know? 
Um, well, drives us this, um, I guess, showing off. It's like with this album, it's kind of, hey, come and listen to this. We're under no delusions that we're going to sell a million albums. You know, that's not why I've done it. It's not a, a commercial product by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's definitely, I guess, a lot of people love Carcass, so. You've, you've yeah, definitely done something people, right. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of people do love Carcass, but we're still a cult act, you know? I, I mean, okay, bizarrely, our back catalogue has sold a million albums, but that's over 27 years, you know? Yeah, well, that's uh, awesome. Uh, another thing I was going to ask you was, you know, it's been like uh, a few years since you've been here, you know? 2008 was the last time we saw you on our shores. When uh, can we expect to see Carcass come and kick our asses again? Uh, 2014. So it's on the cards? Yeah, I mean, Rockwave keeps turning us down, bizarrely. Um, but, you know, I've got a friend who's a promoter down there, and we're April, so... Awesome. Well, that's uh, something I, I really can't wait, because I missed you guys last time, sadly. And, uh, yeah, I know. And this, no, this is it could have been your last chance. <laughs> I know, I know, and that's why I was kicking myself. But I'm glad you guys are uh, still kicking along, and, uh, you know, about to... Take over the world with uh, surgical steel. Do you have a favourite track off the album yourself? Uh, no, it, it could change at any given point. I mean, I, I think um, you know we've not wrote ten singles or anything. I think um, it's a body of work. It's an album. I'd like to think that when people put the uh, virtual needle on the start of the uh, virtual CD, that they have to sit there until the end. You know, it's. I mean. It's not. It's not so much that there's not a standout track. It's just that I'd, I'd like to think it's all quality. You know, that's maybe I'm wrong. I mean, have you got a favourite track? Does anything stand out to you? Unfit for human consumption. Yeah. I mean, I like the album as a whole, but that track, I, I just, I really like that track a lot. It's, um, it, you know, it's weird because it's kind of like with the label letting that track out, Captive Bolt Pistol. It's not representative of the whole album, you know, and. It's annoying because we would have rather the record comes out, the album, and people hear the whole damn thing. Because I think people are going to have to sound opinion about which they think is the favourite track. Like, you know, you're identifying that song. One of the last interviews I spoke to liked uh, another song. And, you know what I mean? It, I think that's what's good about this album. It's diverse enough for uh, people to have different opinions. You know? If it's speaking to different people in different ways then you've definitely uh, you've hit the right note with it, you know? And there's a lot of albums these days that I, I find, you know, sometimes the bands just go for that one single and they don't really follow in with the rest of the album, you know? But yeah, 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 and I think that's what's been killing album sales. I mean, every interview is now talking about downloading, and I think uh, that's one of the contributing factors to downloading because people can't trust what they're being sold anymore, you know? Mm. Um, why spend 20 bucks on an album only one song? Let's see when they can just go and download, which is a shame because, you know, um, in the 90s when we didn't have any of that, you know, it was exciting to go and buy an album. Yeah, but how many times did you buy an album and go, oh, shit, because you never heard it beforehand? I mean, I think the torrent thing in itself, if people download an album, check it out and then go buy it. I mean, what's the difference between that and... Hearing it on the radio. Downside is there are some assholes out there who pride themselves on never buying anything. It's a different attitude. But I've got friends who download and they buy what they like. And they buy what they can afford given that any given time there's probably 10 
or 20 albums coming out every month. I mean, again, that's the fault of the labels. They're releasing mm. too many albums. I mean, when de- when we started playing death metal, there were no death metal albums, with the except maybe uh, Zest and Scream Bloody Gore. I mean, Creator, Pleasure to Kill, I would have called a death metal album. I would have called Bathory's first album and, and The Return uh, death metal. Um, you know what I mean? But now, any given time, it's, it's oversaturated, you know? So, torrenting's become inevitable. People are not going to buy every single friggin' album that comes out because they can't afford them. It's, it's impossible, you know, we, when people are renting families and stuff, but go out and buy the albums. Like, I think it's good when a band brings out, say, a special edition. Like, you guys have a special edition coming out of Surgical Steel, is that right? There's probably uh, ten different editions now in Nuclear Blast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the one that I did see uh, on the net, it's like a... It was a little surgical box, is it? Yeah, a little surgical ten, yeah. Yeah, and that's... You know, I think that makes it interesting for people to go and buy the album. It's more value for them because they can, you know, look at the artwork. Well, only only, uh, a few hundred people are going to be satisfied because there's only... 666 copies of it so I think but so, so, you know it'll probably be resurfacing on eBay by assholes who bought a few copies just to exploit people you know which is sad uh, but there you go yeah well that is a bit but you know uh, I guess I hope our listeners get, get at least uh, their hands on a copy because it's it's going to be worth something I think just to uh, have everything in front of you with the art yeah it, it could be a family heirloom you know or maybe you could use it as an urn. You could put your ashes in it when you die. That's a good idea. That's, we should have made. We should have made a, a limited edition urn. I'll have to put that to the label. <laughs> you should. I'll buy one. Well, well, thanks so much for taking time out uh, today to have a chat, Jeff, and uh, wish you the very best of luck with the album and, and the tour, and hopefully see you soon. Nice one, Nev. Have a good evening, and uh, yeah, see you again sometime. Planning on traveling this summer. Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. 